Hello there, listener, and welcome to the second Crypto Corner of the Metacast. My name is Nico, and today we are talking about something that I'm especially excited about, as many of you will know. We are diving deep into loot. And for this special episode, I have two awesome dudes with me. We have Tim Shell and Lord of a Few. And yeah, we're going to be talking a bit about the origin of loot, how it works, what they're building. So they're they're both um, working on some derivatives on loot, um, how they thought about that, and then where they see the whole loot-verse going. So yeah, before we kick this off, perhaps a short introduction about yourselves. Uh, Tim, maybe you want to wanna tell our listeners a bit more about your background? Hi, hi. Yeah, thanks for having us here. Uh, Lord and I actually don't even know each other in real life, but we have spent uh, a lot of nights and weekends working together on things. So it's incredible to be able to connect through the world in such a trustless, uh, pseudonymous, decentralized way. This podcast itself is almost like proof of collaboration just as much as Lude is. Uh, but great to meet you. Great to connect. Uh, I am Tim Shell, which is definitely a pseudonym. My background is somebody who builds companies, builds movements, uh, builds ideas, manifests them into reality, brings people together, and points people towards sort of positive change in the world. I work in pretty like traditional West Coast, Silicon Valley, venture-backed, Sand Hill Road type companies, uh, but loot has just nerd-sniped me in an extreme way. I feel like we found a time machine, and I just feel like we together are learning and defining what the future of how things will get done in the world is like how the way work will be done, how the way games will be built, how the way communities will be formed, permissionless, semi-pseudonymous, decentralized, asynchronous, global. Um, and so I feel like we've just found ourselves, both of us and you included now, uh, in this time machine, straight to the heart of a tornado, if I'm going to mix the metaphors here. Uh, loot feels to me like a, a microcosm of the future of human work and human progress and how humans will collectively collaborate uh, across the world. And so that's, that's my micro or macro and meta thought for today. And I'm sure we'll unpack that. We're probably going to go mostly micro in this discussion around discoveries of canonical lore from the loot contract and the three character classes of hunters and mages and warriors and the item rankings and the projects like realms and like Genesis project and flute and rings and hyperloot and more, you know, the uh, collaborative roadmap that's coming. But I do want to just call out that like from a macro and meta sense, uh, I think we've found something pretty spectacular and pretty special right now. Uh, you know, I know I know my way around buzzwords as a Silicon Valley you know, Web2 builder. And the words I'm saying out loud, if you had asked me like four months ago, would have sounded like complete blather. Just like, what are you talking about? Permissionless, pseudonymous, decentralized, asynchronous. Come on, man. Like those are just buzzwords. And I'll tell you through loot, I feel like I've stumbled across some like fundamentally important postcards from the future of humanity. Uh, and we're just figuring out how to read them, how to put them together, make sense of them and design them as we go. Um, and so I'm, I'm super excited to be in the mix on all this, excited to be on this conversation right now. Um, and a lot of the loot lore and the loot uh, fundamental truths and universal constructs are really speaking through me as a pseudonym. Uh, I'll end on this intro. Timshell is an ancient Hebrew word. And Timshell is a word that I picked up from John Steinbeck's East of Eden, which if you haven't read, put everything you're reading down and go read. Uh, Timshell means thou mayest. It's a biblical phrase. And it's, I'm not a religious person at all, but it's God saying to mankind, thou mayest. 
you may decide your own path. You may decide, you know, evil or good. You may decide light over dark. You may decide, you know, your own direction. It's not fate. It's thou mayest. And that feels to me like an incredible metaphor for what's going on here. Thou mayest collectively, thou mayest individually. Um, and we're, we're doing all this in a permissionless, open, asynchronous, global way, uh, finding new ways to just work together across the world, across borders, across time zones. Uh, feels just like such a special moment. So that's me. Hello, I'm Tim Shell. Long intro. Uh, you'll also learn that I like to write and I like to talk. So shut me up. I think you have a mute button on my microphone, so you might have to use it today. That's okay, man. Uh, I mean, uh, I was excited and now I'm even more excited to dive in. But uh, first, Lord, could you also give us uh, a short intro? Yeah. Hi, hi. Uh, that was that was great, Tim. You uh, <laughs> you said it really well. Um, I won't go over all the loot stuff because you're you're, you're the best storyteller. But background on me, I I come from a business and e-commerce background based in Australia. Different background to Tim. Um, but I've been coding for a decade. I've been trying to dabble in crypto for the last four years, but my real world job has pulled me out of it. And then when loot came around, it really uh, grabbed my imagination and 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 I just dived head headfirst in and started building. And, you know, as Tim was saying, you know, you don't need any permission in this metaverse. You can just build. And so that's exactly what I did. I just dived in headfirst, uh, met a bunch of people. Uh, you know, we, we, don't, we don't know each other, but all that really matters is what you do. And that's the power of pseudonymity. Uh, it's, it's, all, all that matters is it doesn't, your background doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're from. All that matters is what you do. And I think it's a really powerful macro trend that's going to define the next decade. So yeah, I'm, I'm just, the, the last two months has been a blur, meeting Tim, meeting a bunch of other interesting people around the world. We're all in different time zones, but we're all just shared. We all have the shared vision and, you know, shared economic goal and just shared storytelling goal of just building out this metaverse, I don't know, metaverse, whatever you want to Hyperverse. call it. Hyperverse. Realmverse, Hyperverse, yeah, whatever we want to call it. Uh, just build it out in this permissionless way across cross borders and just this collective hive mind building it all centered around what's on the blockchain and using the contracts as these kind of relics in time that we're building off. It's just, it's a very exciting time. Can we talk Hyperverse versus, loot versus uh, Metaverse? Uh, especially relevant since Facebook now Meta has uh, proclaimed themselves the kings of oh the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's an emergent thread unfolding, and I think Dom might have been the one to coin this, so it's it's perfectly relevant to the loot discussion. If you haven't heard the word hyperverse, maybe it fades away or maybe it becomes something incredible. The metaverse versus the hyperverse is the empire versus the rebel alliance. The metaverse versus the hyperverse is a... Apple universe with clean cut APIs and an app store review process and 30% fees and rules and regulations and royalties to Facebook because Facebook now owns the metaverse. So a closed ecosystem controlled by Facebook. It's not bad. That's incredible. That will open up the world to a ton of people. And it's amazing to have clean streets, have the garbage men make sure that the streets are always clean and the buildings are always white. 
and then everybody's walking in a straight line, you know, through the revolving doors into their office buildings, in and out, in and out. And that that's the meta metaverse. And I think humankind will progress in an incredible way through the metaverse. The way we connect to the people around the world, the way we build things together. You know, it will be a human machine of creativity and creation and games and stories and more and businesses. You know, the next Zynga will be in the metaverse. The next Activision will be in the metaverse. The next Disney will be in the metaverse. Great. But that's all in the Facebook universe with 30% taxes. They're not going to do 30% taxes, hopefully, but like that's the, a metaphor for the Apple version of that world. Versus the hyperverse is the Rebel Alliance. The hyperverse is the crazy, chaotic, bizarre with everybody you know, shouting into the, you know, into the community together, coming up with ideas, uh, coming together in back alleys, coming together in town halls, coming together with ideas, sharing things permissionlessly, doing it asynchronously. There will be plenty of spam, plenty of dead ends, plenty of you know, terrible stuff that comes out of both. I mean, the internet always has plenty of like scary stuff in it. But the hyperverse represents much more about what loot is, which is permissionlessly coming together in a decentralized, trustless, open, uh, global way to go manifest into existence what we believe is possible. You don't have to raise your hand and submit it to Facebook and ask for their permission. You don't need to push it to the Apple App Store and cross your fingers that they accept it. The blockchain is open. The world's open. And the builders of loot, both Lord and I, and you know the hundreds of others of builders who have been just you know sniped by this idea, are are really motivated and inspired and uh, curious about you know, how far this world can go, a global decentralized world, defining our own universe, and moving in the direction of positive human change. I think is is really important. I think that's the north star for all of us. But doing it in a way where you know, we as the world get to define what this turns into as opposed to you know, Facebook defining the metaverse. It's super interesting. Yeah. Fantastic. And so you guys didn't know each other before August the 27th of this year? No, we didn't know each other at all. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Tim dropped me a round of Discord and he went on a big uh, storytelling mode about Genesis and it kind of, uh, I was listening intently and he captured me. And, um, and then just kicked off from there and we started building together. All right. So if this all turns out to be nothing at all, then at least we have the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot, it's been a lot of friends made along the way. It is, it's pulled in just, it's pulled in all, you know, shared minds that have all been captured by this. Um, and so there's a lot of interesting people building on this, a lot of ta really talented builders that are non or half a non that are just building, contributing to these projects, you know, and, and everyone's just having fun and, you know, and it's, it's just growing. Mm -hmm. I just used this little moment to scroll back in my discord chat with Lord. Uh, I just scrolled oh, yeah. whatever, like a hundred <laughs> scrolls up and on nine twenty six, which is what, like a month and a half ago, six weeks ago, I said, hi, hi, I have an idea. <laughs> uh, and the rest <laughs> is unfolded. The idea was how do we integrate the Genesis project and the origin story of loot and the dis discovery of all these Genesis adventure characters, how do we integrate that with realms and biblioteca and do that in a way so that players have a cohesive, you know, still infinitely expandable and creative universe, but one that's cohesive so that your Genesis adventure 
can exist in a realm, that your realms are of the 16 orders and your Genesis adventures are of the 16 orders, and how do we map those together? Um, and then from there, Lord and I have just uh, gone wild building bridges both between our projects, but also across the wider Lootverse. The Loot Alliance has been born, the website V2 launch, the sort of community collaborative roadmap that's unfolding. Yeah, I think we've all done a good job kind of defining guiding principles and defining a collective North Star that we can all point towards, uh, but independently steer towards. Mm. Yeah, open source is always going to win because you have a collective hive mind building on it. And it's just like, it's like a, it's like a tree with branches. Some branches stop, but ultimately the, the main trunk just keeps growing. I mean, maybe that's the simplest way to describe the hyperverse versus the metaverse too, is the hyperverse is open source and global and the metaverse may be Definitely. centralized Definitely. with APIs and rules and corporate taxes. And that's you know, fine too. Both, both are important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, open source is always going to win in, in the long run. Mm -hmm. I feel like this might become like a series with different parts because of uh, the amazing conversations that I feel like we could have on this. Um, but to start off, maybe let's, you know, rewind a little bit because um, a lot of the, the people listening might have never heard of loot or only heard, like only know, you know, very on a surface level what, what happened. Um, so on 27th of August, 2021, Dom dropped a tweet that said, you know, here's loot, smart contract. You can mint, you can do any, anything that you want. Um, just go nuts. What did you guys think when you first heard about loot? Maybe, Lord, you can, you can kick this up. Yeah, well, I actually, <laughs> I was a little late to the party. I remember, I think I was busy at the time, and I remember reading about it on Twitter, um, but I, there's so much being bombarded, I kind of didn't, didn't take enough attention on it until like four or five days later. And then it was a bit late for the, the minting. I guess the, the best way to, to, the way that I think about loot is, you know, pre-loot NFTs were primarily tokens that were attached to off-chain metadata. And the off-chain metadata is obviously stored on AWS or IPFS or whatever, but the images themselves obviously aren't stored on chain, right? And then what Dom did was he released the loot project and the loot project, all the loot project was eight adventurous items. So, you know, like Skyrim type items, you know, like a Helm of Brilliance, a War Mace, a Silver Ring. It was a collective outfit for a character, but there wasn't any images attached. There wasn't any dis descriptions. It was just a string, a, a word, a words of these items. And, but it, the, the difference was, was that it was all stored on chain in the NFT. That's a new paradigm in this space because what it allows is it allows other contracts that are running on Ethereum to then call the main loot project um, contract and use those items in the next contract. So it allows this composability across contracts that just made everybody's imaginations run, run wild and you know hundreds of derivatives just popped up from that. That composability level is just starting to emerge You know what's happening in the space. Um, and it's still early days, but I think what he did on the 27th, or was it 27th, was spawned the imagination. And it's not just loot that has started to emerge from this. There was a bunch of other um, projects that have been inspired from this, like the end project, which is a string of numbers all stored on chain. And then you know, what that does is that, you know, you can pull those numbers into any number of other contracts to manipulate them or do 
whatever you want with them, but you still own the underlying data from the original NFT. So I, I felt like there was like pre-loot and now there's after loot. That was like a catalyst in the NFT space for me. Um, mm -hmm. Tim, do you want to add to that? I love it. I love what you just said here. Um, I'll add maybe one comment. To, to me, what loot is, you just described it in like the tactical sense, which I totally love. And you also just described it in the, uh, the meaningfulness to you. I agree. There's like a before loot and after loot. What loot is to me right now is an experiment in decentralized, trustless teamwork. And it's, it's an experiment in decentralized, trustless teamwork, specifically here to build a sci-fi fantasy collaborative Web3 media universe that's inspired a group of builders to come together to design this infinitely expandable, but yet still cohesive collaborative universe. And that universe is an experiment in learning, in self-discovery, in collective discovery, in building, and in figuring out if these tools can be used, should be used, how they should be used to do decentralized, trustless teamwork. So that's what it means to me. I don't know if trustless yeah. teamwork is something that people have uh, coined yet. I might, I may have coined that phrase, and I feel like I almost need to write some sort of manifesto about trustless teamwork. But it feels to me like the the synthesizing uh, theme and energy that's driving all of us. Yeah, it's perfect because mm -hmm. it's 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 you know th these projects, um, you know these open projects like Loot. You can you know if you're a builder or an artist or what whoever you know some some skill community builder whoever it is, you know, you can buy an NFT of this project and then you can start contributing, you know, and you're part of the narrative, you know, and you can help shape the narrative of the project. That's what's so powerful about these open source NFT projects is that anybody can contribute. So, you know, you like the project, you buy the NFT, start contributing, you know, and you can, you know, you build up your own value, uh, but you also meet all the other builders who share your goal as well. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a crazy powerful idea. I mean, as an evidence of trustless teamwork, Lord and I have pushed code to the internet together. Both the lootproject.com v2 website you know, has both our fingerprints on it, and a you know, wide group of people who've worked together on it. The you know, Realms and Genesis Project Bridge that's been built together is us you know, trusting, not trusting, but trustlessly working together. Uh, you know. I don't even know who Lord is. Lord, you could be a 15-year-old boy in Australia. You could be a 50-year-old <laughs> man in, uh, you know, Kansas saying you're from Australia. I have no idea. And also, I don't care. Uh, what's amazing about trustless teamwork is that it actually doesn't matter. I don't need to trust you to work together with you to build something exactly. amazing. Yeah, exactly. Likewise, mm -hmm. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. And what made you decide to build something on Loot? Tim, you can... Uh... Sure. I mean, I, I'm personally a fantasy geek, a math geek, a crypto learner. You know, I'm not one of these people who's a crypto you know, maximalist or his, his, you know, I haven't been in the mix that long. I've been trading from the edges for a long time, but you know, not, not in the mix. And actually a lot of the decentralized finance stuff, I don't even fully understand yet. Uh, but I'm a reader, I'm a gamer, I'm a curious learner. And I, I think it was Paul Graham that once said this, but I, I've really lived by this motto that if you can live in the future and find problems, 
fixing the problems from the future is how you create you know, progress in the world. And I think this is a perfect example of that, that we've discovered a new universe. I, I said this at the get-go. I feel like we found a time machine to the future of humanity. And so I popped right in and said, let's go experience it, build it, work inside of it and see what the rough edges are and see how far we can take it and what we learn and then do what we can to, you know, quote, fix those problems, build these tools, build these uh, skills, you know, create the muscles to be able to work in a trustless, permissionless, you know, semi-pseudonymous, asynchronous way. Uh, I think all these things will require tools and utilities and businesses and strategies and best practices and more. Um, and so we're just, you know, scratching at the edges of that. Uh, but loot more than anything I've ever seen feels like it's right in the heart of it. Mm -hmm. What about you, Lord? Yeah, that's that is well put, Sam. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what, what grasped me about loot was I kind of, I got hooked when I read, you know, read really deep into it. And I thought this is a really powerful idea. The problem was at the point that that at that point in time, I think it was like the sixth or the fifth of um, October or September, that there was no like cohesiveness around where these loot projects were heading, and so that was the idea with Biblioteca was that we composed them all these projects together into one singular dashboard that you logged in with your wallet and you can see your loot item, you know, loot loot items or whatever you have, and so that was kind of the the genesis of of Biblioteca. Um, and then obviously it's evolved from then, but that was the kind of core idea. And then we're like, well, what, what else can we do with it? And then obviously other things were going to emerge. Uh, that was a 48 hour hackathon we did to build that. Um, and then, you know, we met Tim, met all these other people along the way. But I think that what's always been in the back of my mind in, I guess, from a macro sense is, you know, how do we, how do we speed up innovation? How do we, you know, how do we speed up? capital allocation around the world, you know, not just in the first world. We're all homo sapiens here. We all need to collectively work together to solve humanity's biggest problems. And, you know, it's a global, there's some serious global problems that we all need to solve. And I'm not saying the loot solves those problems, but the idea of a collective, you know, building anonymously all on a decentralized network where capital can just flow quickly across borders, you know, with ETH, or you know any other any other coin running on ETH or Bitcoin, you know that 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 speed of allocation across borders to you know a builder in Uganda or a builder in South America, that is the powerful idea here. It's this collective building uh, shared economics incentive, you know, and loot's a game, you know, it's a storytelling, but that idea of collective building anonymously cross borders, where you know you you own the underlying data, the asset, the NFT. That's the powerful idea here for me. And as, as Tim said, you know, that's the, that, that's the idea from the future that we're building right now that's going to define the next decade. Um, that is going to help solve these big problems that we all need to, mm -hmm. um, you know, solve, really. Mm -hmm. And how do you see this de decentralized teamwork stack up against the games that people are used to? Um, I find it hard to imagine that, you know, a decentralized team will be able to build something that is as crisp as a, a modern AAA game. How do you see that? I mean, if you look at the most successful games on Steam, they're not AAA games. They're, you know, they're indie developers that are hardcore gamers 
that have built the game that they wanted to play. And they've been the most successful games on Steam. I mean, big budget doesn't mean good game. It means polished graphics. It doesn't mean good gameplay. And I feel like we're in the kind of CL, like command line interface stage right now of these kind of fully on-chain games. Obviously, there's some great blockchain games right now. Um, but in terms of the open source type, you know, blockchain type games, it's not going to be super polished, you know, AAA graphics, but it's going to be fun gameplay where you own the data and you own all the assets. And so it's going to look obviously different, um, but it's going to capture the imagination of the gamers in different ways. I'll take it even further. Um, I think there's some things that we can reinvent. And in this case, I agree with Lord. We, we're going to reinvent the idea that you can own the game that's being built and also build the game as we're playing it. But also some things don't have to be fully reinvented. I believe that loot can be the Star Wars for the next generation of builders and artists and storytellers and game developers and global dreamers. And when I think about what that means, there will be an Activision game of loot. There will be a Disney game of loot. There will be a Zynga game of loot. And they'll build it in a centralized corporate way. And that's amazing too. And you'll take your Sony PlayStation and instead of logging into your username and password, you can authenticate using your Ethereum profile uh, or maybe it's your Arbitrum profile. And you have things. You have a synthetic loot bag. You have your OG loot bag. Maybe you have a Genesis adventure. Maybe you have a realm. Maybe you have other items you've acquired along the way. And you get to play that game. And that game can be a 3D freaking VR game. There's no reason that it, it can't be. I mean, let's take ENS. This just happened yesterday. ENS is a... Uh, what would you call it? Uh, uh, website. Uh, yeah, Ethereum name service, oh. but it's like a web... You could get a name, you get a profile name. It's almost like a website, like a www.com for Ethereum. People have been buying and selling them and using them for, you know, I guess, a couple of years now. ENS just launched a token yesterday saying, hey... We want to decentralize. And they did. They gave tokens to all the ENS holders. They said, you as token holders now collectively steer the future of the Ethereum name service. And with your votes, we're using this token, you can go vote on the direction we take this. Vote on the roadmap, vote on strategic moves we make, vote on big decisions we make. That ENS token, which was dropped to all these holders who collectively own it, Half of it went to the community. Half of it stayed in the community treasury, like the, the wallet, for lack of a better word, that ENS owns. And so I'm, I'm anchoring off of the point that was made around you know, budget and funding. That token, as of right now, is worth $7 billion from 24 hours ago. So $3.5 billion exists inside of Ethereum name services, ENS's treasury. And $3.5 billion was given to the community members who own ENS. You know, TimShell.eth, LootProject.eth, LootAlliance.eth, etc. So both the community won and was rewarded for its you know, adoption and usage and engagement in this project. I don't even want to call it a company in this project. But also this project slash company, it's not a company, this decentralized project, now has a three and a half billion dollar treasury to go build amazing things. So I don't think this has to be sticks and stones, you know, playing in the dirt. I think you can go really big with this. Yeah. And, and the, the, you know, loot's just a primitive 
you know, and all the loot projects. They're primitives to build these greater games. And uh, it's all open source. So, you know, anybody can come along and, and build on top, which is, you know, goes with the whole open source ethos. And, you know, ENS was an open source project for the last, you know, two, three years uh, with just, you know, people contributing and whatnot. And then, you know, if you, if you contributed, you got rewarded, but you didn't know your reward was coming either, you know? So it, it rewarded people that believed in the project. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a really powerful idea. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, can you guys give us a like a current state of the loot first? Like, what's the the current situation, and perhaps um, also explain a bit what would you personally uh, are working on? Lord, can I frame it and then you dive into realms? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the way I would frame loot is that there have been, there are maybe three mega epochs or chapters, if you want to call it that, and maybe a fourth to come. But the the, the three major epochs are one, getting stuff, getting the primitives, two, deriving, discovering, and writing the foundational lore and characters back to the blockchain as a community, setting the foundation for the future, stories, writing, characters, etc. Um, and then three, games, media, and more. So the first chapter was loot, mloot, even realms, the first realm was a primitive, there are things like ability scores, there's other things you can get. The second chapter is discovering the foundational lore, which is the Genesis project, defining and deriving the origin state of the game. It's Hyperloot, Loot Explorers, Loot Swag, and a few other projects who are helping visualize these characters, try to make sense of like, who are these characters? What are these characters? Setting the foundation for the road ahead. It's Divine Dao, talking about the Divine City and the stories that are coming out of that, and some of like the writers who are writing through that. So there's a foundational epoch happening. And it doesn't have a start date and an end date, but that's like one theme. And then the third epoch or the third theme, and all these are happening in parallel with each other, is the games, the media, and more. And I think Realms is probably the, the first breakout and most exciting game and project of that epoch. So maybe I can hand you the, the microphone on that one, Lord. Uh, but hopefully that whole concept makes sense. Like from primitives to foundational lore and foundational characters and foundational and universal truths to then the games, the media, and more, which collectively all fit together underneath the umbrella of a unified, cohesive lootverse. Mm, yeah, that was great. Uh, so touching on what Tim said about the games, what I'm working on with about 10 contributors now in, in the Realms Discord, you know, all just, no one, no, no one knows each other. Um, we're all just building this together. There's a couple of core, core devs, but there's a lot of small contributors. But what we're building with Realms is... Well, I'll probably give actually a background of what a realm is. So realms are these um, these, these old style maps, um, all randomly generated. There's eight thousand of them, and across the realm realmverse, there are twenty two different resources, and these twenty two different resources are spread uh, with varying rarity across each realm. So one a realm might have one, or it might have seven resources, and each of these resources have different. Um, rarity on them. So wood, for example, is spread across four and a half thousand realms, but then Dragonhide is on 23 realms. And so that's, that's already baked into the realm itself. And then each realm also has um, a properties of cities, harbors, rivers. There's also 50 wonders spread across each realm, it's, uh, eight, uh, across 8,000 realms. And so each wonder um, is a unique building. And so what we're doing with realms is that we are building a settling game where you can settle your realm 
and you can start generating your resources. And these resources are 1155 tokens. So they're their own, they're their own tokens. And with these resources, you can build up buildings on your realms. Um, you can build up an army on your realm. And then once you've done that, you can raid other realms for their resources. And so you can go essentially steal other people's resources after raiding them. And then with those you know, claimed resources, you can go and sell them on the market, which we're building a AMM uni-style swap marketplace on, in, the, in the Realmverse, where you can trade them. Uh, you can trade them back for our Lords token, which is going to be our native token. Uh, and then with Lords, you can go and trade that back for ETH. And so what, what this basically does is it creates this you know, open game where there's entry liquidity and exit liquidity, which is the Lords token. So to come and play the game, you know, you can buy some Lords on Uniswap and then you can come in, buy some resources and then start playing the game. And, but, you know, a, a bigger picture of this is these resources are also their own set of primitives, just like what Loot did with the Loot Bag. You know, what these resources are, they're their own 1155 fungible tokens. And so they're going to be continuously being generated and burnt. But what we're hoping and we're talking with a few other developers at the moment what we're really going to um, enable is that other contract developers can come in and utilize these you know loot primitive resources to create contracts that output something else so say uh you could write a um you know nft you know elc721 contract that consumes dragon hide wood and obsidian and it outputs a special item um, then that item is an, its own NFT, which then you can go and trade. We've got some other exciting things, uh, which I, I can't, well, I don't really want to just announce just yet, but where it's, it's going to be a really great way where you'll be able to store lore and store stories and store, you know, any creative thing that the user wants to create basically, but it's all going to be owned by them and you'll need resources. Um, and just to touch on that as well, um, Genesis has uh, its own fungible token called A-Time. And this is kind of the grander vision that I, I, I see, you know, the Hyperverse heading is that there's going to be lots of projects that have their own fungible tokens, but because these all things interrupt with one another, developers will be able to write a contract that say, take the resources, take A-Time, um, take any other type of fungible and output something unique. And so it, it opens up the space for creativity on the contract side and also creativity on the the people that are going to execute the you know the, the contract to create this new thing um let's pause on that for a second so, yeah. uh let's talk about the a time thing for a second a time yeah. is a uh, erc20 token that was discovered by genesis adventures uh, i'm going to put my lore hat on right now uh, and maybe actually nico we should talk about the genesis project itself but i think there's a really cool tie and you know a moment to call out through the Genesis project, we as a community have resurrected, built, minted, created, written to the blockchain, these characters, these Genesis adventures, which were the original characters of loot from the, the Genesis event, the Genesis moments, whether they were born out of volcanoes or created by a divine hand or manifested out of thin air, I don't know, but these were the Genesis characters. We minted them, we created them, and that, that game is still underway. One of the first things that those Genesis adventures have been able to do is reach through time and grab a bag of a time adventure time you know what adventure gold is is in some ways an unofficial currency for the loot verse 
What A time is, Adventure Time is, is a utility token to allow players across the lootverse to manipulate time. And so the, the takeaway I want to call out is that that was created and discovered and built through the Genesis project. But now, as Lord's talking about, that utility token will be able to cross over into a whole other part of this lootverse, the Realms game. And you'll be able to use A time in some form, which Lord actually hasn't even told me all the details yet. But in some form in the Realms game, you'll be able to manipulate time in some capacity using A time, which was actually only discovered by Genesis Adventures. Um, in addition to you know, realms, which also have some A-time hiding inside them. And so it's just like a bridge of interconnected or a web of interconnected concepts and contracts and ideas and stories that as a player, it, it's almost like you're unfolding these layers of an onion to realize like, wait, this is not 10 games, 20 games or infinite games. This may actually be one game. And the game is yeah. a story game and a playable game and a player versus player game and a mist like game around uncovering the story of this whole universe and a first person game you know one day and a you know who knows like a, a riddles game loot characters doing some amazing stuff with riddles um, a quest game dom is working on some quest stuff but it all ideally fits together through contracts that are bridged together tied together through this concept of uh, you know primitives and just the beauty of the blockchain being able to be composable yeah it's just i'll just touch on that composability point of you know that composability always wins in software. I think someone, I, I, someone, someone said that the other day. But it's it it really is the most powerful idea in open source. This I you know being able to compose contracts together, uh, you know, or compose any type of software together. That's why you know JavaScript JavaScript one because easy to use, easy to write. You can compose packages together, and this is what we're seeing with contracts now is that. Contracts are like the next iteration of, you know, packages. You can compose them together to create something unique. And it's, we're just the genesis of it now. But, you know, composing a time, composing resources, composing whatever other fungible tokens together. Some contract developer somewhere around the world can come and write something. Nobody has to know him. You can audit his contract. And you can see, all right, this takes resources. This takes a time. This takes something else. And out, outputs, you know, X and Y. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I think it was either Naval or uh, Chris Dixon who said it on the Tim Ferriss podcast. When the they also talked about loot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that also means that uh, whatever DeFi protocols get developed, these are things that you guys can also implement in your games. Mm. Right. Yeah. DeFi obviously started that whole composability. You know, and you look at Uniswap V3, you know, it's an amazing <laughs> set of contracts. Uh, those guys have done yeah, but you know that's what a lot of the DeFi protocols have done they're you know they're pulling little bits and pieces around the place to create this yield product um, that you can use and you know mm -hmm. that's that started with DeFi, but now it's you know evolving into you know what we're doing and will evolve further mm -hmm. one of the problems i've had trying to use my loot bags is gas fees oh. um, <laughs> how are you guys thinking about that yeah. Um, so we're actually building this entire settling game on Arbitrum. So it's not going to be on layer one because layer one, just it's just not usable for anything other than high value transactions or, you know, mm -hmm. really storage of, you know, very 
high value assets where the transaction costs you know are so small relative but in a game scenario where you need to do you know a couple actions a day or you know more transactions a day then obviously layer ones doesn't work so i think we're going to see a huge migration to arbitrum and other layer twos um, over the next six months and you know this is really just the, the start of it i mean you know arbitrum mainnet's only been around for what three months maybe even less uh optimism you know less uh there's a there's like 12 optimist optimism forks happening in the next six months as well and then you got all the zk's happening so yeah i think we're in this limbo point right now where uh, you know um arbitrum is just getting steam optimism's just getting steam and in the next six to 12 months the eth ecosystem is going to look very different because you also have eth2 dropping in well who knows when that's going to happen but you know apparently in the next six months which is introducing um, a lot of different data storage methods, which will really benefit these layer twos even more. So uh, it will make them even cheaper than what they are. Um, and then the more people that use these layer twos, the transaction costs uh, become cheaper as well because the, their main transaction back to L1 gets spread across all the different transactions. So it becomes cheaper. Um, so yeah, it's just to recap. So we're doing everything on Arbitrum. Um, we've talked with Tim. Obviously, you know a lot of loot loot projects right now are on layer one, but I'm I'm confident that you know a lot of this is going to move to layer two um, over the next you know six months. So yeah, I mean it's 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 this weird problem where we're all stuck in limbo, where a lot of assets are on layer one, but luckily that there's a significant amount of engineering talent working on this problem uh, and solving it right now. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so will the loot verse be cross chain over a bunch of different blockchain, maybe even, you know, off and off Ethereum? Yeah, I think, I, th I think we're going to, we'll see like layer two to layer two um, bridges. So you'll, you'll have to bridge your asset at some point to a layer two. But in saying that, there's also some interesting things coming on line where you don't actually have to bridge from layer one to layer two, but you can still use your underlying data on a layer two it's this thing called a mirror where it basically copies your loot on layer one and makes a replicant of it on layer two and then you can use that in a game so there's, I mean, it, there's a lot of interesting work that's kind of spawned out of the build loot build uh discord if anyone's a builder listening go and jump into that discord because there's a lot of interesting chatter happening there um so you know there's going to be lots of different ways you can do it i, I think uh they don't exist just yet, but I think a layer two, layer two bridge is going to happen in the next 12 months. So mm -hmm. we'll probably see a future where, you know, a lot of, a lot of like, unless it's like a really significant asset, a lot of assets are just going to get minted directly on a layer two. And then they'll just get bridged from layer two to layer two, wherever the, wherever the fun's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, so both of you decided to build something in the Ludverse. How do you expect to financially benefit from that like how, how do you reason about that you do you own loot and will that value appreciation is is that where you're going for or is there another way that where you will see some kind of revenues from what you're doing i can speak to this i think this is a, a universal construct for web3 that builders don't need to shy away from monetization uh, or rewards uh, a lot of these communities they're not even these projects, they're building and launching and selling their thing. I mean, 
many of the NFT projects, you launch it and you price it. I think even Realms had a price on it when it was launched. Maybe some were free, some were priced. I forget the exact details. ENS is another example. You pay for it. It's it's becoming decentralized, but you pay for it and people are happily paying for the utility. And so I think these these games and stories and communities and others within loot, just because it's decentralized doesn't mean it's free. Just because it's decentralized doesn't mean it's just only out of like the joy and huma- humanity of it. it. It is an opportunity to create utility in the universe. And if you create utility and joy and fun and value in the universe, uh, com- both communities uh, and creators should should and can be and must be rewarded for that. Otherwise, there's no you know, long-term sustainable incentive. Mm. Yeah, I think what touching what I said before about you know buying into these projects and building capital is just you know it's stored energy. I like to think of it, you know, and you can spread it whatever way you want. And you know what what ETH has done, and you know what blockchains have done is that it's enabled this speed of capital allocation across the world. You know, obviously, like you know, like realms, for example. You know, I I I minted a lot. You know, I'm I'm heavily invested in the project and its success. And so, you know, I'm I'm doing what I can to build on top of it. You know, I'm I'm building and I'm contributing to my own, you know, value tied up in my realms. You know, anybody else can come along and you know buy a couple of realms or buy a couple of Genesis um, adventurers and then contribute to that project and you know collectively grow your you know your value. Which is stored on chain, and then you know, with, with that, you can choose to do what you want with it. I, I think ETH and blockchains specifically has attracted a lot of people that share this idea of you know progressing the world, and and shared financial incentive and 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 fair financial incentive. Obviously, there's bad actors in every industry, and there are bad, bad obviously bad actors in crypto, but I think it. It really, if if you dive into the right projects where there's a lot of intellectual curiosity, like loot, um, you're going to find builders that share the same philosophy as you. Just like Tim and I <laughs> found each other, uh, I think we share a lot of ethos around this. But obviously, you know, we, we're we're not we're not we're not yeah. As Tim just said, you know, we're we're doing it for financial incentive as well. Um, just like you know, everybody needs to everybody needs to live. But it's you know, it's up to you then to do what you do with that capital. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, one small comment is that one of the uh, amazing things about NFTs, broader than just loot in, in general, is that artists who create NFTs can get ongoing royalties from the buying and selling and trading of those NFTs. And so, one of those really native ways to monetize a product is to say, "Hey, I'm I'm taking a two and a half percent, you know, uh, royalty from you know, OpenSea takes its own royalty." But right into the contract, you can say, hey, I'm going to take a 2.5 or 5% or 0.5%, whatever, on any resell, any retrade of this item. And that's pretty amazing because in the traditional world, like as a creator, you might create something and sell it. And as the first person to sell it, the more successful it is, the bigger delta there is between the f- first price and the eventual price. Meaning if you're the creator, you probably get the worst price on your own work because you created it and sold it to somebody and then as it grows and grows and grows, you know, other people are taking the delta, and eventually Christie's takes the delta between, you know, one person selling, you know, who bought something for a million dollars sells it for ten million, and the next person sells it for a hundred million. That creator says, "Damn, I sold it for a you know, hundred thousand a few years ago." They're not getting royalties. In NFT land, you can build that right in, and so as something trades through the universe and grows in value and utility and perceived value, 
the creators can also take and participate in the success of that uh, ongoing excitement around their work. Yeah, I just just one one touch on that is that you know what what Satoshi did with his um, white paper back in two thousand and eight. For me, this is the, the number one defining factor of blockchain tech is it removes the need for a trusted third party. And what Tim just said about the trusted third party to resell your art now you don't need that. That third party is the blockchain, and you just get your commission directly. That's a perfect perfect example of it. Um, but obviously, you know the, the trusted third party. There's, there's there's tons of institutions that are that are shaking right now because ultimately they're being replaced by, you know, um, these blockchains. Um, that that mm-hmm. spread the value to who's built it, not who's just you know attached to it. You know, I think the last two years has really defined this this movement. Up until you know, up until the event of DeFi, everyone was like, "Well, blockchains are cool, but what do we do with it?" And now it's like, well, this is what we do with it. Um, and now it's just on fire. And the, mm-hmm. the, the velocity of development is crazy. Yes. And the velocity of hype yeah. and investment FOMO as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what, are, what are currently the, the biggest challenges that you're facing or like the, the, the big challenge that each of you is facing in, in you know, achieving what you want to achieve with, uh, with your, your loop project? I think, I think just, you know, building something takes time, you know, that's, that's really all it is, you know, to build some, something, uh, decentralized takes, takes a bit of time. So, you know, I would like to release stuff every single day, but, you know, building uh, and, and like the tooling for developing on chain is, is getting, like, it's good, but it, you obviously can't like, we're, we're still in the early days of all this, you know, it's going to get a lot better. Um, and so, you know, it's time really, you know, there's no real, the technical challenges are, you know, if you're an engineer, you know, you can solve stuff, you can learn new languages, you can do all this if you're willing to just commit to it, you know, that's, that's all that really matters. And so it's just really, it's just really time that, you know, we need, um, mm-hmm. but we're moving fast. And, uh, there's, I, I think what we were saying before about, you know, collective, collective, you know, open source. You know, all, all like Bibliotheca websites, open source, for example, you know, encourage people to do PRs, you know, if they want to see a feature, everyone, anyone can just do that. And the game, you know, that's all open source too. Anybody can come along and say, oh, well, I want a button here. They can do a PR and they can put a button in and, you know, we'll, we'll merge the PR if it's, you know, if it's working as, as expected. Um, so yeah, there's not really any major challenge. Um, it's just time. Really. Well, you're looking for time. I guess you need some A time tokens. Manipulate time <laughs> oh. in the real world. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's time, and it's also uh, accessibility uh, and ease of use, and in some ways, like UX. Discord is amazing and insanity. Even twi- Twitter <laughs> is amazing and also insanity sometimes. Mm-hmm. Using MetaMask is completely. Uh, offensive to the user the experience is just completely terrible discord you can fall victim to all sorts of scams like if you if you didn't know how to use email you'd be scammed overnight and that you know now you know how to read through what's clean and not clean and what's real and not real but discord's a whole new user experience uh you know a lot of the blockchain like looking on etherscan to try to look at a contract and make sense of it and look at a transaction log yeah, you know, if you think that your Bank of America account is like offensively confusing and like why can't they just make it like look like a news feed, like a Facebook news feed that's understandable, well the uh Ethereum Etherscan 
site is like just as nonsensical. It could be beautifully clean as a clean newsfeed that makes sense to humans. Uh, but nobody's really done that work yet. And so I think there will be a, um, a class of utility companies that emerge who help translate the code and translate the language and the UX into things that make sense. And like some of that can, can cross over to web two. Web two has some great ideas about news feeds and algorithms and surfacing, you know, insight in the, you know, surfacing clarity, uh, surfacing things that matter to people. The whole internet has shifted over to this newsfeed and it's not like a newsfeed is the end all be all. And there's lots of detriments to a newsfeed, but I think there's probably a lot of that that needs to happen on, on web three is like the simplicity of using Instagram, the simplicity of using the camera app on your phone, the simplicity of downloading something from the app store, the safety of knowing you're not going to get like scammed out of your life savings. When you click a button on your bank's website, uh, that stuff is actually pretty easy. It just takes somebody to, to do it. Yeah, I think we're kind of like the early AWS point. If, if, if there's a good analogy, you know, infrastructure is being built. There's a bunch of API um, providers now like Alchemy that, that enable you to build the applications Tim talking about, but they just, they haven't, they haven't fully emerged yet. But I know this, <laughs> they're all being built yeah. out. I mean, if you're listening to this conversation and you think that you're late, you're not, you're incredibly early. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, um, we're reaching the hour mark. Um, I've decided that we will have a follow-up discussion if you guys are down Fantastic. for this as well. Um, so, I mean, if, if you haven't heard, so Lord is, is from the Australian or Oceania. Um, and so he's, what, what time is it for you now? It's like 7.30? Yeah, it's seven, yeah, 7.45 now. So Yeah. Um, so he woke up early for this. And then uh, for me, it's, it's late at night. Um, anyway, we're happy to do this because we're excited about loot. Um, my last question for both of you is, do you want to share or could you share a bold prediction about the loot or the loot verse with me? And then, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call it with that. Lord, you can, uh, you can go first. I'm just, I'm just, uh, um, you're thinking, I'm just thinking, <laughs> um, I'd say that we'll look back on this point. Yeah. Like loot, as I said, in the beginning of the podcast, there was you know, pre-loot, after-loot, you know, this this loot defined composability on NFT contracts. It was it was the genesis of it all. And this movement that, you know, Tim and myself, you know, are part of is only going to increase with velocity as more people on board. I mean, you look at the onboarding of people into the on-chain right now, uh, it's at a crazy, crazy speed. Um, and in, in five years' time, what loot, uh, what Tim just said, you know, about the tooling that's going to be built, you know, it's going to be the, the ease of use to use, um, you know, loot, loot games, um, and, uh, like use loot ideas, compose contracts together is only going to increase, um, in velocity. Um, and <laughs> Tim's probably going to come up with a real big prediction here saying, um, and I, like, I might just, I might just pass it to him. He, he's, he's a better storyteller than me. Tim, you just go. Uh, well, just we go. riff off each other really well here, uh, both in language and code. Uh, I don't know. I have a few ideas. I, I agree with what you just said 100%. Uh, if I keep it to loot though, I guess I'll say two predictions. One is I think riffing off of your point in 10 years, there will be a generation of builders who say, I started with loot. I'm not working on loot right now, but I would not have gotten to where I am without starting in loot. Like I'm building, who knows what, the next Ethereum wallet 
or maybe I'm building a collaborative writing app for the internet. Maybe I'm building a uh, money transfer system for Web3. Where'd you get started? I started with Loot. I think there's going to be a whole generation of builders that say that. Second, in the Loot verse itself, I'm going to come back to something I've said maybe twice already today, but I think it's, it's a, at least for me, in a North Star. If we build together, meaning if we play together, build together, work together, design together, collaborate together in this trustless, global, pseudonymous, asynchronous way, permissionless way, if we build together, loot can become Star Wars for the next generation of dreamers and builders. Loot can be a mega collaborative media ecosystem of games, of lore, of stories, of books, of movies, of TV shows, of Web3 native media, whatever that becomes, uh, that's collectively owned, collectively created, collectively moved forward uh, by the players and builders itself. And so maybe my prediction there is one day there's a corporate board meeting and Disney, who's what, almost a trillion dollar company, says, we got to buy loot. And I want to be the, the fly on the wall in that boardroom where someone says, um, ma'am, you can't buy loot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, really great. Cool. All right. Um, this was absolutely awesome. I, I, I really love that you guys are both um, incredibly smart, well-spoken, and um, super passionate. And it's, it's clear from, uh, from how you answer my questions. Um, thank you, Lord of a Few. Thank you, Tim Shell. Um, it was great having you. Um, I fully intend to have you on again. Um, listener, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. I hope you are as passionate or as inspired as we are. If you're a builder, drop what you're doing and go build on loot. It's, it's better. It's cooler. And um, I mean, you might be able to say in a few years that you built or were part of building the beginning of Star Wars. Who knows? Um, with that, this was the Metacast Crypto Corner. And... We hope to speak to you in Thanks. the next Thanks, episode. Cheers. Cheers.